to a special episode of What the Canuck. I'm your host, Maria. And I'm your host, Riley. Today, we're deep diving into the exciting world of hockey trading. But we're not just talking pucks and players. We're exploring the social side of the game. Have you ever been in a conversation with a friend and they started talking about the latest hockey trades and you just do not know anything about hockey or hockey trades? You just stand there nodding your head along lost. Us too. So today we've brought in a hockey trade expert to help break down the complex world of hockey trading into some more simple to understand ways so that next time it happens, you're prepared for a trade talk. In this episode, we're putting on our jerseys and lacing up our skates as we dive into the world of hockey trades. We'll be uncovering the stories, the strategies, and most importantly, the social connections that come with it. And please welcome our special guest, Tommy Young. Hi, well, happy to be here. All right, Tommy, we got a couple questions for you about the concept of hockey trading. Right, it can be away. a very confusing thing to understand, and you, sir, are quite the expert in it. Yeah, I'd, well, I'd consider myself knowledgeable about some of the things in trading. And that's exactly what we want. <laughs> <laughs> we want the knowledge. All right. Um, so our first question for you is, can you explain the concept of hockey trading for those who may not be familiar with it? So trading um, can happen between... I'm going to focus on like the NHL specifically, but the major league, it's where most of the, the interesting trades happen. In the NHL, you can trade draft selections or you can trade players. Um, sometimes players get traded for, for various different reasons. Draft selections can get traded because a team wants to draft a specific player or add value to a specific trade. Like if a player they deem more valuable than the player they're getting, they might add a draft selection into the trade to make it seem more enticing to the, the other GMs. And so you can balance out the two. Some trades are really, really big with multiple players, multiple draft picks. Some trades are really, really tiny, like especially when you get into the NHL draft and a GM really wants to draft the specific player, you might see a trade for a seventh round pick for a seventh round pick, which is the final round in the draft. Some trades are more memorable than others, but you can trade players, picks, um, and that's really all there is to it. Back in the day, you used to be able to trade money, like cash, but that was pretty well outlawed 30 years ago. Um, now, how do the trades typically work? What are the factors that influence them? For players specifically, there are two main factors that influence how trade goes down, and that is value and that is money. Some players are worth more i put air quote air quotes on that quote unquote worth more because they have a lower contract than they should like if a player signs for say two million dollars and then puts up more points and more value than a player who makes say six million dollars then that's a good value contract and then a lot of teams are going to want a player with a good value contract especially with the salary cap which is a completely different issue um you can only spend a certain amount of money so if you have players who are outperforming the money that you're paying them that puts a lot of 
value into it. And that kind of ties the two of them together. Value is a very subjective term. Uh, one player may be worth a lot more to one GM than it is to another GM. Generally, the things that influence worth and value is how much money they're making, how many years are left on their contract, like if they have one year or if they have seven years, how many points they're putting up this season, how many goals, how many assists. Do they play on the power play or the penalty kill? Like, is a player only getting 10 minutes of ice time a night but they spend three of it killing penalties and do so at a very good rate, that will definitely influence a player's value because then they can be traded for as a penalty kill specialist. So it's kind of all about that playing that game of chess. Do I play a guy more because he's playing well and maybe he'll get more value in a trade? Or do I keep him where he's playing and you know maybe somebody will offer me a trade now and if I put him up a bit, maybe he'll go down in value. It's all about a game of chess and valuations and how opinions of players are valued among GMs. What role do the general managers play in this trading process? So GMs are the ones who kind of control it all. They can play with the roster as they see fit. Obviously, you know, you talk with the players, you talk with the coaches, you know, are they okay being moved? Some players have contract clauses that say, you can't trade me to this team, or I don't want to be traded at all. Are there any famous or particularly interesting hockey trades that stand out to you? or have been like very memorable for you? Not to me in particular, because it's well before me, but definitely um, commonly known as the biggest trade in NHL history is the day when Wayne Gretzky got traded. Um, at that time, he was already you know well on his way to being one of the best players of all time. Uh, 10 seasons with Edmonton, um, 2.3 points per game, which is crazy because most players barely get one. Like there's maybe 30 players in the league last season who got a point per game. And Gretzky is putting up 2.3, almost double that. And then after 10 seasons with Edmonton, a couple of Stanley Cups, you know, Edmonton was starting to come on hard times. You know, there wasn't as much, you know, fan interaction. It was a very, very good Edmonton Oilers team, but the owner was starting to lose a little bit of money. You know, the team was starting to, to fail a little bit. So Wayne Gretzky got traded to the Los Angeles Kings in exchange for two prospect players, three first-round picks, which was very big at the time. You didn't see trades this big uh, in the... This trade was 1988, to put a date on it. Um, you do, never saw trades this big in the 80s. Like This was huge. Gretzky is the greatest of all time. He's the best hockey player of all time, bar none. And he was already well on his way to becoming that in Edmonton. And then he gets traded for two prospects, three first-round picks, and if I can remember correctly, $15 million cash, which in 1988 was a lot of money. Mm -hmm. It paid out well because Edmonton, even without um, Wayne Gretzky, none of the five players that they ended up getting, the two prospects and the three first round picks, ever really amounted to anything. They were never really star players. But Edmonton did get a couple of cups after um, Gretzky was traded. They're still one of the most well-known teams of all time, so one of the most famous teams of all time. And Los Angeles was not a hockey market. It's in the middle of California in the desert in way, way, way out of hockey country. But the greatest player of all time suddenly playing for this small market team in California, which is now the biggest state in the U.S., was big. California hockey exploded. Everyone wanted to play hockey. Everyone was watching hockey. The Kings won a couple of Stanley Cups. They had a couple of great runs to the finals. Um, there's now three teams in California 
Uh, at that time, there were two. I believe it was the Golden Seals, which no longer exist either. Um, were also playing in the NHL, at least at some point during Gretzky's career. But they've now been joined by the San Jose Sharks and the Anaheim Ducks. Both not quite hockey markets either that have really blossomed into, into hockey markets. Like All three of those markets have so many fans now, the massive markets in the NHL. Um, but that market was basically untapped when, when Gretzky came into town. And he brought in, you know, Mike Krzyzewski and Marty McSorley, which to hockey fans, two very infinite, infamous names, because basically the best metaphor that I can do for this is imagine like if Taylor Swift had two like six foot nine, 340 pound linebackers for for bodyguards. Okay. And they just stood beside, like played with her at all times, like stood with her at all times. That's basically what Crusher and McSorley were to Gretzky. They were the guys who, if you touched Gretzky, you were getting your face pounded into the ice and he was scoring five goals on you. <laughs> like, that's, that's the role those two guys had, is they were enforcers. They were there to protect the star. Uh, and I think McSorley played with Gretzky for almost his entire career. Like, he was traded with Gretzky a couple of times. Like, he's basically attached to the hip um, to Wayne deal. Gretzky. Yeah, package deal. So, you know, that's definitely one of the most memorable trades uh, in NHL history because, you know, the greatest of all time got traded, actually got traded twice. Uh, once was later on in his career and it wasn't quite as big of a deal. But the big trade to Edmonton or to L.A. was probably the most memorable trade of all time because of how it worked out for the Los Angeles Kings. Like that kickstarted hockey in the South, basically. That was the big thing that started hockey in the South of the U.S. What's the other, like, not a big deal trade? When he got traded to, uh, I think it was St. Louis. He got traded to St. Louis in 1996 for um, three players, a fifth round pick and a first round pick. Uh, I don't think either of the five players were really that interesting. Gretzky played like one season in St. Louis and then signed in New York, played a couple of years and retired as a Ranger. Um, but yeah, that trade kind of didn't really work out for either L.A. or St. Louis because St. Louis didn't really do anything with Gretzky. He was just kind of there for like a year and got some pictures and looks very weird with Gretzky in a blues uniform. And then the Kings didn't really get much return for Gretzky either. So it was yeah. still a big deal because the greatest player of all, got, all time got traded, but wasn't really beneficial to either team quite like that Edmonton L.A. deal, deal was. Yeah, it wasn't the... I think it's $38 million in today's money mm -hmm. trade. Yeah. And of course, that iconic press conference after Gretzky got traded where he's sitting in Edmonton, you know, in front of a microphone crying because he got traded out of Edmonton. You know, that was that was where he was. It was his home. He's Canadian. And all of a sudden, you know, he's played here for 10 years. He's got all the success with the team. And, you know, now he's been traded for basically uh, a couple of guys, a couple of futures and 15 million bucks. Thank you for stopping in, Tommy. Thanks so much for having me. This was, this was a lot of fun. We've explored some fascinating aspects of hockey trading with Tommy. Riley, what are some key takeaways from our discussion? So basically, one of the key takeaways that I had is that trading isn't as complex as it seems from an outsider's perspective. The way Tommy broke it down into, hey, I like this snack, I'll give you this for it. Or with Pokemon cards, oh, you have a Charizard, I'd like to trade you a Weedle, a Caterpie, and a Mankey for it. It's not a good trade, but not all trades are good trades. Like you said, there are some that are, are unbalanced, and then there's 
the trades of the century with Wayne Gretzky and $38 million worth of today's money attached. Maria, what are some uh, key insights for you? Well, I think my top three insights from what we discussed with Tommy about hockey trading would be number one would be the chess metaphor, especially about the pawns and, you know, the more valuable players. Um, You don't necessarily want to just trade them for like a measly bag of chips or something, you know, it's like, oh, this is worth 10,000 gummy bears. And it's like, oh, actually, I think it's only worth like two chocolate bars. But then, you know, it's very subjective. I think another one was when Tommy was comparing Wayne Gretzky to Taylor Swift. And then the two players that were kind of protecting Wayne Gretzky on the ice were were his bodyguards, like Taylor Swift's bodyguards. That, I think, will definitely stick with me. And the third thing is kind of knowing more about the social aspect. I think it starts at a young age, but I mean, anybody can learn about hockey. But in Canada, you know, it's in schools. You start with talking about it with your friends and then, you know, it just kind of grows into something you look forward to and it changes as you get older and your opinions change. So overall, hockey trades are not as complicated as we try to make them. It's just simply exchanging candy for candy, trading cards for trading cards, something of equal value or what you feel is equal. The hockey world makes it super complicated by running all these special trade shows and everything. But all in all, I'll give you three gummy bears for a handshake. You give me a handshake. Sound like a deal? Sounds like a deal. Before we wrap up, let me give you a sneak peek into what's coming up next week on What the Canuck. We'll be diving deep into figuring out what's so super about the Super Bowl. Don't forget to visit our website and subscribe to our podcast to stay connected and continue exploring the wonderful world of sports with us, Riley and Maria. That's a wrap for today's episode of What the Canuck. A big thank you to our listeners for tuning in. And remember, hockey trading is not just about transactions. It's about building connections. Until next time, stay curious and keep asking, what the Canuck?